This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Total Saints Podcast World Cup Edition. We're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. If you're watching along tonight, you can leave your comments and questions as we go. This is the last of our special episodes we've been doing throughout the World Cup. And as always, a massive thank you to our TSP patrons for their continued support during the break. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast to find out more about getting involved. And thank you to our sponsors as well, NordVPN. NordVPN is great if you're looking to add extra layers of security to what you're doing online. You can protect yourself and your information whilst using public Wi-Fi on any device, and you can also use it to access streaming sites around the world. You can grab your exclusive deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash Total Saints to get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, plus four months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can find the link to the show notes for the podcast and in the YouTube description. Coming up this week on the pod, we'll take a quick look back at the World Cup final. Was it the best in years? We'll discuss that. The news from the FA is that Gareth Southgate is staying on as England manager. We'll get the panel's reaction to that announcement. And after six very long weeks, Saints return to action with two games at St Mary's. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, who's the owner of Saints Web, Glenda LaCour, who's the writer of the wonderful blog League One 10, and later Jacob Tanswell, the Southampton reporter for The Athletic, is going to be dropping in. Underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is the Total Saints Podcast World Cup Special, Episode 4. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. So let's start with the World Cup final, shall we, Glenn? Was this the best final in years? The best that you can remember? Well, I guess extra time, penalties and the last 10 minutes of normal time was right up there. Good first half by Argentina. But France were terrible in the first half. It was it was like three or four of their players had, had forgotten that they were footballers. <laughs> and, and it was no surprise that, you know, when they were 2-0 down, 
Deschamps had had enough to, to substitute two players before half time was uh, was quite something. But the, uh, the the second half, most of it was absolutely boring until France got given that penalty, which Mbappe scored. And um, yeah, extra time was end to end and uh, and great stuff. And those those two chances at three three in the last sort of couple of minutes were, you know, one at each end were amazing amazing theatre. And then uh, penalties is what it is. So uh, I think overall it was probably the right result. And uh, I, I enjoyed it in the end, but yeah, people overhyping it as the uh, as the best game ever. Yeah, they obviously didn't watch <laughs> didn't watch the bit between the Argentinian second goal and France's first goal because that was just dreadful. That first eighty minutes, Steve. There was a lot of hype in the build up to this one. A lot of talk about the World Cup. Did the game live up to the hype for you? I mean, certainly at the end, yes. I mean, as Glenn says, the I guess it's it lives lives up to that cliche of the end justifies the means in that you had Messi and Mbappe as the two standout stars, and those were the two that that delivered on the pitch in in the 120 minutes. From FIFA and Qatar's perspective, this is the reason why they paid all that money and um, got the tournament out into the Middle East for for their showpiece. That's it's these big moments, these showcase moments that are going to be sort of relived on clips forevermore that you pay the big bucks for and that's uh, so from their perspective job done I mean as Glenn said it was it was it was a non-game until the until what 75 76 minutes or so to the extent where you would have just lumped it in with most of the other World Cup finals in recent memory they don't they don't tend to live long in in the memory a lot of them are a dull cagey affairs because once you get to that final it's it's such high stakes but I think France having started so badly and effectively give, gifted Argentina that advantage, kind of almost played in, played into the hands of making it a, having to make it a spectacle in order to um, for them to get back into the game. I mean, they could easily have just rolled over meekly, but there's there's too many good players in that French team to for them to have not had some sort of moment in this final. And I don't think Argentina were quite as good as as that sort of first forty minutes or so had had made them look. I've got to be honest, after that second goal, I went off and started unloading the dishwasher and then rushed back in when France got that penalty. Uh, Jacob's with us now. Evening, Jacob. What did you make of the, the final yesterday? Do you think it was, uh, did it live up to the hype? Is it as good as everyone's been saying today? Evening. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with Steve in terms of the first 70 minutes. A bit of a non-event. I was so, so impressed with Argentina. I didn't think they were that that smart and technically good, to be fair. It, all, all as smooth, really, in the first 70 minutes. I thought they were really good. I think they've grown into the tournament, and I think every World Cup winner does grow into a tournament. I think Scaloni was excellent in terms of having that Di Maria at wide. He looked really, really impressive because Di Maria's been struggling with injury, hasn't he, throughout the tournament. He got picked and it could last an hour. was a testament to Di Maria and Scaloni. And, uh, I thought the best team on the day one I thought France, like they have throughout the knockout stages, fits and spurts really. But yeah, I've got to go to your question, Martin. I thought it was a really, really good performance and a really good game, especially that last half an hour. It was just the game was drunk, wasn't it? There was all structure had gone out the window. Let's have a word about Messi then, Glenn. Everyone had been saying this was like the fitting end to his career. I think he said today that he's got no intentions of retiring from, from international football and he, he's going to crack on. Was this the win that his career deserves? It, it kind of felt like everyone was rooting for him in a game where you weren't really bothered who won yeah the um it, it's a bit over the top you know the the media coverage of the build up to the final it kind of wound me up a bit because i mean i know it ended up as the messi and mbappe show but i thought it was a bit disrespectful to the other players who were out there at times that it seemed to be the only two players they were talking about but messi's had an absolutely phenomenal career and to be playing like he is at 35 i mean we've we've seen previously world cast 
class players be over the hill in this tournament. I'm thinking of Ronaldo, Gareth Bale, where they've obviously just gone. They can't do it anymore. Messi still can. And whilst you can still do it, unless he's got a massive desire to go out at the top, and this would obviously be that, he obviously feels he can still influence this team. And he's he's got other... T- I mean, Copa America seems to get played every six months. I'm sure he wants to go and uh, <laughs> go and play that again. And why not? And, you know, he's still got things to do at club level with PSG. He could probably win them a Champions League this year. And uh, that's another Ballon d'Or in the back pocket, isn't it? No matter what Mbappe does. So, yeah, I can, I can, I can see him carrying on for a couple of years yet. And Steve, Mbappe, that was the other name that was being mentioned, obviously, in the build-up to the game. I don't think he'd been in the opposition box for the first half hour or so. I did feel bad for him, in a way, scoring a hat-trick in the World Cup final and still not winning. Have you got any sympathy for the French and Mbappe? Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, at the end of the day, he was, he was the guy that dragged them up by the coattails to get them, to even get them to extra time and penalties because they were, they were dead in their feet for as we said, 75 minutes of that game. But at the end of the day, you've also got to accept that he was part of that problem. Basically, from 1 to 11, they didn't show up for, for the best part, well, for more than an hour. So, yeah. But the but at the end of the day, these these top players are able to to play in these little fits and starts and own the moments, essentially. And, I mean, that sort of 90 seconds or so where he scored the two goals. I mean, that second, that second goal, the, the confidence to take that on the volley when I think pretty much 99% of centre-forwards would take a touch and then finish. Yeah. And Mbappe would have easily had enough time to do so. Um, but he's just thought, nah, sod this, I'm hitting this. And to be honest, that's probably why the keeper's not saved it, because it wasn't right in the corner. Totally agree. But because he's hit it so early, uh, Martinez just got no time to react at all. There was a photo taken from sort of behind the goal of the angle sort of just after impact where he kind of looked, he sort of contorted his body really strange sort of after the, after the point of impact, it kind of looked, looked like he was sort of playing a game of twister or something, but that was an extraordinary photo. I thought, but yeah, his, his performance was, was excellent. Actually, I thought he was, he was possibly going to end up winning it for France. That last, that last minute of extra time where obviously it went, I mean, the game just, as Jacob said, just lost all structure and went absolutely ballistic. He's had this chance at, at one end where he's sort of weaved in between three players and then just got crowded out at, at, at the last moment. thought that was that was going to be the moment. But I guess at least uh, Sir Jeff Hurst will still cling on to having been the only guy to score a hat-trick and a winning cause in the final. I always find it funny when you're watching these world-class players and then they just chuck into the commentary who they actually play for, like Buffal. And, and someone said, oh, you might remember his less than impressive time at Southampton. And obviously yesterday, Glenn, the, the Aston Villa goalkeeper playing out of this world um, and, and great antics during the penalty shootout. Yeah, and the Brighton, the Brighton midfielder. <laughs> You know, it's just it's looking just, forward to his trip to Southampton. Just, on I'm sure he is. I can't imagine he'll be there. I'd still be drunk if I was him. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, Martinez. There's two ways of looking at it. Of course, you can. You know, he he picked on the youngest French player to go and chuck the ball away. I mean, it's it's a horrible way to behave. How but, did he not get booked for that? I I don't understand. No, he, did, how, he how, did No, get, no, he got he got booked after the next penalty. He tried, uh, he tried to penalty. again, didn't he? Yeah, oh, he yeah, he tried yeah. to do it again yeah. the following yeah. time. Yeah. But he, um, what what he did to Chuameni, or whatever his name is, it's unbelievable a that he was allowed to get away with it, and <laughs> but he won't care. And no it's one, one of those as, as a neutral things, isn't it? As a neutral yeah. watching it with no and skin you, in the game. You kind of think, you know, we're English, we wouldn't do things like that. But sometimes <laughs> you think, I wish we would, you know, because at the end <laughs> of the day, Pick, if Pickford would have done something. Pickford like might that. do it, yeah. But it, if if Pickford did it, no one would care. 
and you know we won the world cup because of it no one would care so you know fair play to martinez he knew what he could get away with it did, did make me think if he'd been booked during the actual game for something else what what that would, would actually off. yeah it, has a goalkeeper ever been sent off in a in a, mm. in a shootout and what actually happens at that stage <laughs> you're not allowed anyone in goal well you can't make a sub so you'd have to no. put an outfielder in you'd have you? to put an outfielder in i guess but he, he obviously knew what he was going to get away with and knew he was highly unlikely to be, to get sent off no matter what he got up to so um, no fair play to him the you know at the end of the day it's about it's about winning the tournament and that's what i say about argentina they were prepared to go to wherever they needed to go to to win that tournament you know you, you often hear people talking about who wants to win it more well i don't, I don't think there's much arg argument that certainly from the quarterfinals onwards argentina certainly looked like they wanted to win it more than everybody else We'll get on to England and Southgate in a minute, Jacob, but you've probably been closer than the most to this game, this this World Cup. I know you've been covering a lot of the games. What were your overall thoughts as it all came to an end yesterday? Job well done. Did you enjoy it? Uh, I did enjoy it. I, did, I didn't mind it being in the winter. I wouldn't want it every every time there's a World Cup in the winter, but I just enjoyed it in terms of, you know, I was doing some work and I could come back and it would be on during the day and it's just felt a little bit, you know, it's been getting colder. So it's just been, you know, a bit of escapism. But so I've enjoyed that front, but everything else that's gone on with it, Infantino making it all about him. Those white trainers yesterday. Oh my God. I didn't think he, I thought he was going to go up and celebrate with Messi. I, I think the other guy had to drag him off, didn't he? He's like, like, come on Gianni you've got to stop there I just thought it was pathetic to be honest with you throughout this tournament and that's kind of tainted it for me but I think the knockout games have been really good I've, lo I've loved the up upsets uh, Saudi Arabia Argentina if we can remember that far back that was one of the favourites and to, to culminate with Messi winning the World Cup was a fairy tale, wasn't it? So fortunately for the Qataris, they got lucky with that World Cup. But yeah, it's not one of my favourite. Okay. The other big news this week is that the FA have convinced Gareth Southgate to remain as England manager until Euro 2024, which is going to be in Germany. Going to get everyone's opinions on that. Glenn, we'll start with you. Is that the right decision from, from the, the, yeah, the FA and Southgate? It, it will only be proven to be the right decision or not if we win Euro 2024 or not, because... I personally, even though we didn't get as far as we have done in the last two tournaments, I kind of feel that Southgate has actually done a better job, if that makes sense. In this I, World Cup, you mean? In this World Cup, yeah. I, I feel that the, the formation he settled on in this World Cup has been better. We've had more of the attacking players on the pitch. I, I have some, you know, the only issue I really have with this tournament is the, you know, the the, the substitutions at the, end of the, at the end of the French game. For, for me, they came too late, but... I thought he was better than he has been in previous tournaments. And I, I do feel it's they don't have a better choice. There's an element of that. But I, I do feel that Southgate has kind of earned the right to, to go on if if he wants to do it. I did think complain, you know, he was complaining about the, the treatment he got at the um, the Nations League game when we got beat 4-0 at home to Hungary. I'm sorry, but you lose 4-0 at home to anybody when you're England That manager. comes with the job, doesn't it? You're going you're gonna to get that. You just you just got to live with that. I don't know. We'll just, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I feel a bit like I felt about Ralph at the end of last season, where I, I kind of thought if he goes, he goes. If he stays, then, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I didn't, I didn't feel at the end of the season that, end of last season that, you know, Ralph definitely should have gone. And I, I feel the same about Gareth Southgate now. There can be no excuses next time. You know, he, 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 has, he has to improve and, and we have to get over the line in these games against elite teams, which we, 
we still seem to struggle to do. Struggling to do bar one game from memory. Um, Steve, do you think this just shows there isn't really a succession plan among the FA? You know, they were desperate for him to stay. They, they were almost panicking that he might have walked away and they didn't have a, a plan B or somebody lined up. Yeah, I think ideally from the FA's perspective, I think they, they want kind of to demonstrate that all the money and investment they've put into sort of St George's Park and and sort of coaching and academy pathways and all this sort of stuff will kind of bear fruit and that therefore there's kind of a natural succession of coaches at international level who will basically step up because of course Southgate stepped up from under 21s into the man into the senior team when Sam Allardyce decided that he quite fancied some more money on top of the salary that he was already being paid. Allegedly. Um, and that was just extraordinary, that, wasn't it, looking back? But obviously, you, I mean, you look you look through the, the underage groups at the moment, and Lee Carsley's just been given the under-21 manager's job. Uh, he's been in, been in situ, I think, since the start of the year, I think it is. I mean, he doesn't strike me as an immediate, immediately obvious candidate to step up. No. So as a result, you're kind of thinking, well, okay, we're probably either Southgate sticks around. I mean, I, I personally, I, th- I think the FA are more than happy with the job that Southgate's doing. I think they take a fairly pragmatic approach to it in that the end of the day, I mean, as Glenn says, I think the performances, the, um, the system, the tactical knowledge, and also just the fact that players clearly want to play for him, which you don't, you don't often get over an extended period of time. I mean, Domestic managers' sort of life cycles are what two, two and a half years at most before before the message stops getting through. Whereas with these with these play, a lot of these players are still the, still some of the same players that Southgate had in Russia four and a half years ago, and he's still getting a tune out of them. So why why change what theoretically is kind of a good thing? I think ultimately they're looking. They also look at it in in terms of well, there's only a trophy every two years that we can actually win and there are other good ki- there are other good teams you're not going to be able to beat them all um necessarily um i mean you might as i mean argentina have argentina have just done it but you've literally got to have that one run where everything comes together you got to, you got to get a little bit of luck which unfortunately this time we probably didn't get from that france game a couple of uh refereeing decisions, a couple of good keeper saves, that sort of thing. Penalty miss, of course. So, I mean, as as we discussed last week, it's 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 fine margins and mm. and genuinely at times with international football it is a little bit of luck that that just needs to go your way sometimes. And we, it it fell for us at times in in the Euros and in Russia with the way the draw opened up for us, but it didn't didn't fall our way this time. That's just that's just the way it goes and I think I think they will be looking at um, looking at the Euros as kind of another opportunity to um, to go one to go another step further, but we've got a tough, relatively tough qualifying in that we're we're obviously in the same group with Italy, and that I think to be honest, any of the other um, seeded teams would have been would have probably been a more preferable draw for us because our record against Italy is terrible. We just don't beat them, so I think the problem with that draw then is if we finish second in that group you're probably then not going to be seeded once you get to the finals and then all of a sudden that path gets a lot more complicated so um you're kind of almost reliant on i mean they they obviously did it in the qualifying for the world cup so they didn't qualify but you're relying on italy making a bit of a pig's ear of things against against some of the weaker nations and i mean they, we've we've got the we've got the ability to beat them it's just a case of can we finally get over that line and that's that's obviously a, a 
a Southgate thing that that people are, are beating beating him over the head with. But we actually don't play that many good teams. That's the that's the thing. You can only you can only beat what's in front of you, and for the vast majority of it, he does. So what you're saying is we shouldn't get our hopes up for the for the uh, the Euros. Um, I, th- I think I'd be. Co- I mean, it's it's that it's that sort of cautious optimism, isn't it? I think we're good at you, that. You, yeah, I mean, you get a good you get a good start, and who knows? I think the the key is that we've only got 18 months, and there's a chance that three of that back four need replacing, mm-hmm. possibly four, depending on what your views on John Stones are. So it's, I mean, that's that's a big overhaul in in a short space of time. And whether we've got the the individuals that are going to going to fill those spots, or whether in uh, when we kick off in Germany we're still going with um, Harry Maguire and Kyle Walker, who knows? Um, I mean, if they if they're still if they're still putting in the performances that they put in over in Qatar, then absolutely fine. But I mean, Kyle Walker's big thing has been his pace, and he's thirty two now, so we don't know whether that will still be whether whether he'll suddenly start losing that over the next year or so. Um, I guess we wait and see. Oh, the good news is there's plenty of right backs coming through, isn't oh, there? Oh yeah, 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 we do yeah, we do have about a billion right backs. Not many left backs though. No. I'd be I'd be more worried about Harry Kane, to be honest, because he's he's twenty nine and yeah. showing signs of um slowing down a little bit. So it'd be interesting to see. Mm. But he never imagine... really had much pace anyway. Though. No, I can't imagine him still you know, next World Cup, four years time. He should make the Euros, obviously. And, and Jacob, just to bring it back around to Saints, is it good news for James Ward-Prowse um, that Southgate's staying on? I know you were back at Staplewood today after a few weeks away, and uh, I think the manager was talking a bit about this, wasn't he? Yeah, Nathan Jones is a big fan of James Ward-Prowse, and I think it was really important from from the outset, really, that Nathan Jones got Ward-Prowse on side, because if you see Ward-Prowse, it's similar to Ori Romeo, I think if you get those two on side, then the rest of the players quickly follow. It's not good news for James Ward-Prowse, because... You know, I've, I've listened to a, a long and com- quite compelling argument from Steve because I can see the complete points of Gareth Southgate, but I would prefer to change him. I don't see why they can't just get a, a, a coach from overseas in. I know everyone keeps saying it's got to be English, but, you know, cricket teams have got Australian coaches and I don't see them complaining because they're winning World Cups, you know. So if if Maurizio Pochettino or Thomas Tuchel want the job, which, you know, I think it, well, from what we've heard in the media and stuff. If the money uh, was from, there. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, they take it. So I don't see why you would not go for them because by far they're better managers. Of course, Southgate's a nice guy. He talks well. Fine margins, fine margins. But I'm bored of fine margins now. Every time Salam <laughs> every time Salamton play, every time Salam- age, mate. Yeah, I know. Every time Salamton plays someone, everyone says fine margins. Every time England plays someone good, they lose. What's going on? It's, thank you, Gareth. Gareth's been fantastic. But I like to be a little bit stronger. I like the FA to have a succession plan. And Thomas Tuchel and Maritza Pochettino are there. Eddie Howe and Graham Potter were there after the last Euros. England missed them. They've, and they're in danger of missing these two as well. I like it. I like it. So what you're saying is, Gareth, go and have a game of golf with Ralph and uh, watch a few games. Would, and come back. would Gareth Southgate get a job in the Premier League? I don't think he would. I know international football is different, but, you know. But that's the point. Just... International football is different. And that's why um, I don't think Pochettino would be remotely suited suitable for for any international team, really, because he wants so much time with his players to drill them into into this insanely high-intensity um, style of football that you, you're never going to get an international team to play because they they turn up to the training camps knackered because they're putting it all in for their clubs. And as a result, international football is, by by just its very nature, is a, is a slow and methodical, systematic 
setup, and neither of those neither of those coaches are, are, are suited to that. Tuchel, sy- Tuchel systematic. He plays, you know, he plays a three-five-two. Potentially, but he's he, but he also still wants he wants to drill into individual players' um, specific roles. But from international break to international break, you may not have one player that you've coached to do a specific role available to you. Yeah, I, th- I think what Rizzo and Pochettino is, I think he can do I think you see towards the back end of his first reign, I think oh. he's adaptable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it drops, but you're there. If you're watching live, by the way, tonight, you can leave leave your comments, um, whether it's on YouTube or Twitter or Twitch or whatever. Just, you know, is it right that Gareth Southgate stayed? Who would you have instead? Stick your comments in and uh, and we'll get on to those at the end if we've got time. Um, Glenn, there's good news. Saints are back in action tomorrow. There's bad news, it's Lincoln, and it's the League <laughs> Cup. <laughs> I know that you're looking forward to this. I'm just looking forward to being back at St Mary's, to be honest. Are you expecting to see lots of changes that, that Nathan Jones has drilled into the team over the last six weeks? Well, you hope to see something, don't you? you? You know, because it was all getting a bit flat, and that's the reason why we changed the manager. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to see something. I'm thinking it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty close to what you'd expect a full-strength side to be. You know, looking at, Nathan Jones's past teams and the way they set up, it looks like it's going to be sort of like three central defenders and uh, uh, fullbacks pushed on. So, yeah, I'm hoping to see that. And the, the little bits we've seen from training, it's all been about, you know, high intensity and playing quickly and all that sort of stuff. So it should be an ideal game. Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of rustiness through not having played a competitive game for so long. But it should it should be the sort of game where you can see the you should be able to see the principles that Jones is trying to put in place. So yeah, looking, looking forward to that. And obviously um, we want to win because what are we in then the last eight mm. is it? Mm-hmm. So, so it's a game, it's a game we want to win and uh, to have something else to look forward to when the, uh, when the next round gets drawn. So yeah, bring it on. Looking forward to it. It'd be interesting to see. Um, I'm interested to see he, Jones always wants to play two strikers. We know, we know that pretty Pretty much that Shay Adams is going to be one. It, it'll be interesting to see who the other one is. I have a feeling it might be Sekumara. So we'll, that'll be an interesting thing to see how that works, um, how he sets up the midfield, where Ward Prowse is going to play. Is he going to play more as a number 10 or is he going to be, you know, next to Romeo Lavia or, or whatever? So, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, to seeing how things uh, get, get some pointers to how things might, might play out when the, the league game starts on Boxing Day. Yeah, we can kind of disregard that Liverpool game, can't we, Steve? Because that was one we were always going to lose. So what are you hoping to see from that game tomorrow? You know, he's talked big, isn't he? He's talked about wanting to win the game and he's a born winner and doesn't want to lose. But I guess he's going to have one eye on on Brighton, perhaps. Although, to be fair, there shouldn't really be anyone that needs a rest. Uh, no, I mean, Salas is the only guy who's played competitively in the last six weeks. And yeah, he's played, what, three games. So, um, and that was the last one of those was two and a half weeks ago. So he should be should be uh, fresh and everybody should be raring to go. Not quite sure what, what sort of crowd to expect tomorrow night. I don't know, no idea how many how many we've sold, but um be interesting to see was what... Was it 15 quid a ticket? I think 15 quid and then like a... Uh, yeah, it, was, it, was like, it was like 12.50, I think, for season yeah. ticket holders yeah. if you bought in a certain window. Right. Someone seems to have bought mine, which is interesting. Um, not quite, not, quite, not, not, not <laughs> really sure how that happened, but... Um, <laughs> Hopefully, if we get if we end up getting to the final, it's done on oh all the season ticket holders who went to games. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get some credit for that one. But yeah, it's it's yeah as 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 Glenn says, I think it's system um, and principles, isn't it? You wanna you wanna see at the end of the day, you, you would you would imagine that if we put a put a 
more or less first first 11 out in kind of any system as long as we weren't a complete rabble then you would expect to still beat a league one side at home but yeah you want you want to see something tangible that that will give everybody a little bit of a little bit of a lift a little bit of confidence going into this going into the silly christmas and new year run of games and is it about identity for you, Jacob? Is that what you want to see tomorrow? You want to see a, a Nathan Jones team? You want to be able to write about that afterwards and go, this is this is what he's stamped on the team and this is what we're going to see every week? Yeah, it is. I asked Nathan Jones today actually what his key principles were and he said, are you the mate of the, the Lincoln City manager? And he basically just batted it straight back to me and said... I ain't telling you. We, yeah, I'm not, I'm not telling you and it's it's going to be pretty, you know, as, <laughs> as Glenn said... I am going to try and keep going with him and trying to find out a bit more, but I think it is about high intensity. It is about verticality, as Hartnell would say. And I think Rasmus Ankerson and Henrik Kraft alluded to that uh, in the interview in terms of they want to, they don't want to, you know, throw everything out. They want to build on the strengths of Ralph and uh, just, you know, really just galvanise it and regather themselves because Slumpton never got the most quality in the world. They want to focus on the, the hard working aspects. And I think if they could do that, then I think they, that should stand them in a good stead over the next four games, which are, you know, so pivotal to the season. It sounds like they've had a couple of friendlies, though, Jacob. So was was there a good atmosphere today? Was there a good vibe, lots of positivity around the place? Yeah, it was, actually. I, I think Jones, is, he's, he talks quietly, so you can't always hear him. If you're more than three rows back, I've learned this now. If you're more than three rows back, you can't really hear him. So I'm going to be down the front you know, every press conference from now on. But he does make these funny, funny uh, light quotes, and he has these funny lines. You know, I think there is a good atmosphere. I think the players are happy. I think they're happy with the amount of management style. I think Spain was really key because it wasn't really a warm weather camp, was it? It was, it was, it was bucketing it was down for most them, of it. it. Yeah. Mm. Do you see that, that clip of Willy Caballero getting off the coach, and it's just pouring in the background? Uh, I don't think, I don't think that was intended when they were going to plan to go to Miami uh, during this break. So, um, <laughs> yeah. should, should, but I think they should have come out to Dubai. I told them this. <laughs> but I think they had, they had dinner together there were you know team bonding and for a team that's been pretty fractured you know under the last coach I think it was really important that they did go out and spend some quality time even if the weather was atrocious they managed to crowbar a sponsorship deal in as well I noticed didn't we have like a warm weather training sponsor which was all over the the socials and all the kits and stuff so well we'll see what happens tomorrow the other game of course Glenn is going to be Brighton on Boxing Day Mm -hmm. um that's when it gets serious again right it's it's been a bit of escapism for a few weeks but it's back to business we're in the bottom three and we need to start quickly Yes, we do. And I mean, every team could be completely different after this break. But before the break, I know Brighton lost the last game against Villa. But before that, they were largely excellent. They're still seventh in the table. They, they've changed their manager and it's it seems to have been pretty seamless. They've uh, they've still picked up some good results. You know, they've got, got players who are not particularly high profile, but they, they've been moulded into a very good team. You know, <laughs> Alexis McAllister, no one had really heard of him much before last season. He's just won the World Cup for God's sake. So... Uh, He's he's at the centre of their team. Whether he'll fancy St Mary's on uh, on Boxing Day, I said in the intro, I'd still be drunk if I was him. But uh, <laughs> he, he might be around. I, I, you know, they got other they got other players. Leandro Trossard was at the World Cup with Holland, good player. Um, I like the look of is it Caicedo in midfield. I think he looks like a very good player as well. But um, yeah, Deserby seems to be an interesting um, manager. He's not afraid to try strange things. I noticed Pascal Gross was playing right back one game. Potter had him at wing back a few times, I think. Yeah, that... I he mean, scored against Lampton. He always does. That? He always does. Yeah. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if there's anything there we can we can sort of take advantage of. They've still got the um, 
little kid, aren't they, at right back, Tarek Lamptey occasionally. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. one that we can uh, we can certainly get at. So I yeah. don't think Brighton's the sort of game you sh- you should fear, but they're they're obviously where they are in the in the table for for a reason. So uh, hopefully they they won't come back from the World Cup and and um, be as good as they were beforehand. We drew both games last season, though, Steve. So, I mean, they've they've struggled a bit since Potter left. But what, what are you expecting on Boxing Day? Well, I mean, let's let's remember that this fixture in the Premier League has never seen the home team win in what six years that Brighton have been up. You're full um, of optimism tonight, aren't you? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's 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 not going to be an easy one, but it's it's kind of one of those. Well, okay, that's records are there to be broken. Let's let's bin that off and and get it done. I mean, la. Was it last season we were we were one up in like the ninety eighth minute and yeah uh, they equalised and it was infuriating. Press went in goal. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, oh yes. Yeah, and then didn't. Then was then hung didn't, out to dry, wasn't it? Well, he didn't then run out to play everybody on offside, did he? It's, yeah. Um, yeah, a bit of a bit of a shambles that was. But yeah, I mean, they're they're a funny side. I mean, you looked at their game like by all accounts that that defeat to Villa before the before the break they were an absolute shambles. I mean, Danny Ings scored twice. I mean, Ings obviously had a Always scores against, always scores against Brighton, and yeah, they just they just looked a little bit, little bit of a mess. But a lot of the a lot of the games under the under the new manager, they've they've looked really good, and it's it's testament to their kind of recruitment and their sort of forward thinking that um, they weren't particularly concerned when um, when Potter was uh, on the move to Chelsea because they already had the next guy lined up and and ready to go, and that's kind of the sort of thing that that five or six years ago, everyone would have been praising us for having had the foresight to to get that sort get that sort of thing in place. Because they'll be able to get pot they'll be able to get Potter back if they want in a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's in that's entirely possible, yeah. But yeah, I mean they're they're, they're an interesting team. They they've obviously got a very defined style of play and I think while that does that does kind of give them a give them an identity, it also means that scouting them shouldn't be too much shouldn't reveal anything particularly sort of new or sort of inventive you've just got to you've got to know know what they're doing and you've just got to shut down shut down the key players and players like gross and uh trossard are the, are the key ones really uh trossard especially i mean he's he's been brilliant this season obviously got that hat trick up at anfield in in the fairly ridiculous three all draw and it's been yeah it's been him and McAllister really that have, that have driven that driven that team forward all season so yeah i mean got got to be wary i've I would imagine the the bookies probably probably have them as slight favourites, I guess, given respective league positions. But yeah, I mean, as as Glenn said, coming coming off this this break, I think everything is is going to be a little bit random, maybe for the first first game or two. Now we haven't done it for a few weeks, but I'm going to ask you for your score predictions because uh, we wore three points for the correct score and one point for the correct result. Now uh, regular listeners will know that we always tend to struggle um, when it comes to the <laughs> predictions. Um, Steve, you were quite uh, adamant there that um, that it won't be us that wins, perhaps. So do you want to go first and kick us off? Well, just yeah, just going going with do you the think stats. Think it's going to change yeah. the form? I think no. To be honest, I th- I th- I just I just feel that. Brighton are a good side, and and I think it's it's just one of those games where I think we need to, as long as we get something out of it, then I think I think people will will take something from it, and we can we can then go forward and, and look to look to progress. But I I suspect we're we're probably settling for a draw on this, so I'll go for a one all a one all draw. Right, okay, uh, Glenn. Um, I was going to say one all as well, so so I won't stick with that. No, I'll I'll um. Oh, he's playing for points. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, 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 Let's let's go for a bit of optimism and a sneaky one 0 win. 
one nil win. That's what we want. Six weeks off, and we're coming back with some optimism. Um, Jacob, score prediction for uh, for Boxing Day. Well, the reason why I'm bottom of the league is because I think I predicted Slampton to win every game apart from the Man City <laughs> game. So now I'm going to take it a bit steadier and I'm going to go for a 2-1 win, Slampton. A 2-1 win. All right. Okay. I'm going uh, I'm going to go one there as well, I think, for that one. I just want to stick with you, Jacob, because the other big news from the club this week has been about Matt Crocker, which I don't think any of us were, were necessarily expecting to, to read or hear. Um, the club confirmed that, that Matt Crocker, who's the director of football operations, is going to leave at the end of the season. Now, he was, amongst other things, responsible for the implementation of the playbook and returned to Saints a couple of years ago after a spell at the FA. Were you surprised by this, Jacob, or do you think that's more about Sports Republic getting their ducks in line and, and part of their research work that they've carried out into the, the infrastructure and the makeup of the club? I'm not really that surprised. I think it was a case of um, when, not if, to be honest with you. I think it's, I think something like this, in terms of a refresh upstairs, has been probably in the works for a little while. Um, I think it's natural, isn't it, uh, for a new ownership to come in. They spent the first six months assessing the place, the next six months implementing the changes they wanted to do. And, you know, whenever a new fresh face, you know, two owners come in, especially one like Rasmus Ankerson, who's, you know, omnipotent, he's overseeing everything. I think it's going to be a shift in dynamics, isn't there, between uh, him and the existing people that are already working in the company. So, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. I think it's been on the cards for a little while. Um, I'm perhaps a little bit surprised at the timing of it. I thought maybe it would be next summer, but I think it was always going to be that Matt Crocker's days were numbered. But yeah, he's only been back for what is it, two years now? But I think he's done really, he's done a really good job in terms of re-energizing the academy. Uh, the growth in the women's game has been fantastic, and those two are probably been the main areas. But I think when someone like Rasmus Ankerson comes in, uh, who has a deciding say on transfers and the overall way of running the club, and from a football point of view, perhaps the roles of a you know head of recruitment or a Matt Crocker perhaps get a little bit convoluted so yeah I'm not surprised but it's a shame because you know he's a man of a great CV hasn't he and he's got mm. a lot of strengths. That's a really good point Glenn that Jacob makes about the the academy getting that back on track and also the the women's game but I guess anybody involved with the men's team at the moment we can't be surprised if if they're shown the door or they're moved on um, because we're not where we want to be. I'm surprised in the respect that Crocker is well respected and everyone seems to think that he was doing a decent job. So I'm, you know, I'm surprised from that point of view, you know, we're hearing about good younger players coming through again. Um, you know, the likes of Jimmy Darren Morgan and Dominic Ballard, whether Crocker had a massive input on the, on those or whether they were here already or whatever, I don't really know, but it's, um, so I, I was surprised. I'm not unduly concerned because I think, I've I've no issue with Sports Republic from an issue of looking at the longer term, which is what Crocker's role is. It's it's looking at the longer term and and how things happen over time. So I'm I'm not unduly concerned about it. I'm I'm more concerned about the shorter term right now because we, if the shorter term goes wrong, as we've discussed before, then uh, that kind of underpins everything. So I'm sure they've got. Um, they've got someone lined up. I'm a bit surprised that it's, um, you know, that he's leaving and he's not leaving now. It, it, it seems a bit odd for me that he's having a, you know, a long goodbye basically for best part of six months. So um, I don't know how that sort of affects how you're seen in the, in the job when you're, you're, you're basically not going to be there for much longer. So uh, that's an interesting one to see how that pans out. But I guess we'll, uh, 
we'll never really know if, if he does the if he does the six months then um i think we can assume that uh, everything's going okay but if there do start to be issues with him having this long goodbye then i'm sure he'll be leaving earlier He'll be gone, yeah. Does anything worry you now, Steve, when you see a statement and, and someone else has gone, or are we just like, well, let them get on with it and, and they know what they're doing and, and trust the people they bring in? Yeah, I mean, kind of a bit of all of that, I think. Um, I think I'm slightly concerned that there seem to be three very key um, positions unfilled high up in the club. The head of recruitment, isn't it, is the other one? Yeah, so head of recruitment. There's a commercial role too, isn't yeah, co- it? Yeah, commercial director who's who's gone. Hopefully, whoever, whoever comes in, this commercial director basically just steers clear of any crypto scams because, I mean, come on, lads, it's not difficult. But yeah, from a from a recruitment perspective, yeah, not having a head of recruitment in situ is kind of a problem heading into the, tran- heading into the transfer window. I assume Rasmus Ankerson is probably going to take a slightly more hands-on role in that at least in the short term. Although from what I hear, he seems to be spending a lot of time in Turkey. With the with, new club. with Yeah, with the sister club, Guztepe, um, which I must admit, I find that slightly concerning. Better weather? Given, <laughs> well, maybe. But, but, you, but the problem is that, I mean, they're a second division side. The Turkish economy is, I mean, you think the UK economy is, is trashed. Um, try that one with the... Uh, the sort of hyperinflation and I mean crypto is a big problem over there where it's basically so many so many Turks have have got so little money that what they've got they're putting into these get rich quick schemes that are trumpeted by sort of famous famous names and then they lose all their money and it's just making everything infinitely worse so yeah I mean I'm, I'm not quite sure how they see the the Turkish side of things assisting the overall business really but I guess that's that's probably more possibly more a long-term thing but if so then why is Angerson spending so much time over there um, at the moment would be would be my only concern there but you know if we've got if we've got our ducks in in a row already ahead of ahead of next month then then great if we've got got our uh, 25 goal a season striker lined up to be signed on January the 2nd then yep fine carry Jack on <laughs> um, the other I mean, big can, story can you imagine if, was... that, if that one ended up coming through <laughs> <laughs> god we'd be celebrating in the streets um, Jacob just before we finish the other story of course was the Premier League fine which broke today we wait weeks for a decent Saints story and then two or three come along at once £10,000 fine um, and a suspended six month ban which is interesting due to the recruitment of academy players but the, the club are kind of sticking fast with their kind of denial that they've done any wrongdoing on this one it's never boring uh, covering Southampton or supporting Southampton is it for anybody at the moment there's a lot of changes a lot's going on and this is just a another one you know a Southampton statement I don't know if anyone's had time to read it but I think it's a very strongly worded one and I think it strongly challenged yeah. was the, the the word wasn't it I think it shows it. I think it shows how you know in disagreement they are aren't they about the investigation but um yeah, it's it is a suspended six month ban, so it won't change anything in the short term. It's just I think it maybe tarnishes Lamps' reputation, you know, um, as you know, and they want to be seen as clear cut. They want to be seen as following the rules. You know, they've they've done that really, mm. and they don't feel they've done anything wrong. But the team that have maybe complained about them, um, they might have a vendetta, or they might have a reason for doing so. They might be a little bit spite, uh, a bit jilted by what's been happening and how Slams have been able to take their best players. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one, and I don't think there's any love lost between Slamton and that unnamed club. <laughs> do we do we know who it is? Um, it's unnamed at the well, moment. I, I guess there were two so clubs. Awesome. <laughs> there were two, two. No. <laughs> 
There were a couple <laughs> of clubs that we signed young players from, didn't they? So, I mean, without naming names, Glenn, somebody came in, oversaw some recruitment, got us banned from, or potentially got us a fine and a suspended sentence and then left. So um, a bit of a, you read the headline and you go, that's not great. But actually, when you scratch the surface, there's there's not a lot to that, is there? I don't think so. I think the, the I, I have read the statement, um, the, the denial. It does sound, I'm not saying we're whiter than white all the time, but it does sound unlikely. Uh, that's not usually Saints style. We seem to be so nice about everything. If we've done it and we've been caught, um, I mean, do you remember when um, when Liverpool signed Van Dyke from us? Yeah, you know, I knew you were going to say what, that. Yeah. What we were told? Oh, everyone does it. Yeah, yeah everyone yeah, does yeah, it. Yeah. Therefore, it's fine. One of those things um, that other, other clubs get away with, but we don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Jacobs hit the nail on the head with a with a vendetta. Someone's obviously not very happy with us, so they decided to stir up a load of trouble um, and. And this this is where it's um, this is where it's landed. So I don't think it's anything to be unduly concerned about. And it, it's the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, hmm. where there's probably you know it's usually the way, isn't it? When you get two people arguing about anything, the the truth is um, it's somewhere in the middle. And uh, yeah, we've we've probably um, there's probably been a misunderstanding somewhere along the way. And this uh, unnamed club, as um, as Jacob calls it. <laughs> I've um, probably just got the ump and decided to uh, fire a shot across the bowels sort of thing. Well, the good news is tomorrow we can start talking about football again. So that's good. I'm excited for that. Uh, Mark's been watching tonight on YouTube. He says uh, the mic'd up sessions with Nathan Jones have been really quite revealing. He seemed to be well aware of the problems the fans have been pointing out for some time. So the club are very good at the social media and managing things, but it, it does seem encouraging. So, I mean, I'm, I might be wrong, but I'm, I'm excited to be back and watching the game tomorrow so um that's pretty much it we've got through loads tonight so uh, so thank you don't forget you can follow the total saints podcast on facebook and twitter it's at total saints pod on the website as well it's totalsaints.co.uk there's a link to the online shop on there and that's where you can drop us an email during the week if you like uh, we're also on patreon where you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution just visit patreon.com forward slash total saints podcast lots of different tiers on there ranging from five pounds to 20 pounds per month each comes with their different perks, including some weekly shout outs for patrons in our Benali and our Mick Shannon tiers. So thanks and happy Christmas to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins and Matt Hall in the Franny Benali tier. Also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose and Nick Reed, who are in our Mick Shannon tier. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Jacob. Have a great Christmas, you three. Um, and we'll reconvene after um, the, the Christmas break. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thanks for your support this year. Have a great Christmas and we'll see you in the new year. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered 
by fans.